Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunleavy. So many times people believe it's not possible to graduate from the pain of your grief and step into living a life that you love. But my guest today has done this over and over and over. Just when you think you've gotten through the worst case scenario with grief, another wave comes, another incident comes, another loss comes, and you have to pull yourself out of it once again. Peggy Green is my guest today. She's not lost just one child, but she has lost two with many years in between each loss and everything that she has learned in between that time, she now uses to help others to graduate from the pain of their loss so they can step back into their life again. And that's why I'm so happy to be talking with Peggy Green today. Peggy, thank you for joining me. Sherry, thank you so much. And I am looking forward to sharing my message today with your listeners. Thank you. And what is that message, Peggy? Oh, Sherry, thank you. You know, let me just share a little bit more. You've mentioned a little bit about my losses, but I'll share a little bit about my story here. Mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, I was driving home on a Friday afternoon and I was lost in thought because it was a couple of weeks before Christmas. And I was thinking about the holidays as so many of us will do and, and how special of a time it is because for me, I love spending time with my kids. And since my divorce, Christmas mornings was a really special time because it was the time for me and my kids. And we would have our tradition of Swedish tea rings and orange juice and passing out presents. And but I had some things yet to finish because it was a couple of weeks out from Christmas. And my thoughts were interrupted when my phone rang and my daughter was calling and I answered the phone and I, she didn't say hello, but I heard her saying something to somebody else in the room and said something like, he hasn't been feeling well lately. So I immediately knew she was talking about her brother, my son, Connor, and because they worked in showrooms, car sales showrooms, next to each other and frequently were found in one or another's showrooms helping each other or visiting. And so I knew she was talking about him, but she wouldn't answer when I was like, hello, Brittany. And I hung up the phone and called her back and she answered and she could barely through sobs and tears tell me these next few sentences. She said, mom, I don't know how to tell you this, but Connor killed himself. I slapped my hands on the steering wheels and said, oh God, oh God, oh why? How can I do this? It took me to that flashback of 28 years prior when I lost my nine month old daughter. I was in shock. I didn't know what to do. I did know I needed to get to be with my girls. I turned my car around on that highway. I needed to see my son where he took his last breath. I needed to see him and be with him and be with my family. So that's how 
losing two children over a time span of 28 years. And in between those 28 years, I've had other family pass away. My father passed away 22 years ago, my sister 12, my mom six, and sprinkled in there as others has been friends and nieces and, and family. So I've experienced all this loss. And the first time through my daughter, I didn't have resources 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. That just didn't exist. So I muddled through it. And I, through that time of all my losses, I've brought together tools and resources and have learned how to be able to work through those losses and help others. And so now I'm at the point because of all those tools and resources, I help others in processing their grief. And let me ask you this, and I don't want to seem insensitive because each loss is different. Um, Each loss is painful, but what I find true for me, and I don't know if this is true for you, that if you have the right tools and processes and the right support and do the right, I don't want to say right, but do work to move through this, doesn't mean that it's not going to be as painful. It doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt and take and take you under for a while. But you already know that you can get through it. Did that did yeah. you feel like that for you? Like, I hate that this is happening. This is the most horrific thing. This is the most horrible loss. You have to process it differently, but you kind of know that at least there are things out there now that can help you. Where you didn't yeah. have that 30 years ago, right? No, I didn't. And it was really a lot of that mindset in, in my son took his own life. And that's so different than the other losses in between an accident and the others were through cancer and, and age. And it's one of those things is that I'm a big believer in the choices that we make in our life and the way we think about things. And there was a, I grieved and I still grieve because it's a journey that I'll always be on, but it, it's, it's a little bit different. And I grieved it and, and I came to the terms and, and accepted my loss. And I accepted that Connor was in a place with taking his own life. It was, it was that choice. And really that realization when you asked if I would come through this is I, like so many people, I started posting my journey on social media. And along with that, I would post the grief and the heartache, but then also I think just naturally I started pulling in those tools and resources that I had accumulated over the years and felt myself healing and was healing others because they were commenting and saying, this is helping me as I'm processing my loss. And so I knew just kind of like intuitively that what I was doing was helping others. And it was also helping me 
So right. absolutely, each loss is different, but I, I had, I survived the others. And when I step back and realize how much I've experienced, I'm a pro at it. Um, you know, not that it's something I really want to boast about it, but the fact is I've been through enough that I know that I can and will survive and, and come through this. And it's how you handle it. I mean, now I'm at the point then that I'm able to help others as a result of it. And that's a big component, don't you think, to be able to, to help others with this? Because I think so many of us in our grief journey were looking for that help. We're looking for it somewhere and we, and we couldn't find it. But now, due to the blessing of the internet, right? It's, it's, it's within our grasp and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a place that we drive to, to get the support. It can be a place where we tune into or where we log on to, or, you know, how, how we can connect. And so I'm imagining that social media and the internet has been, uh, a great blessing as far as you being able to access some of those tools and then offer those tools. Yeah, absolutely. And as we're, you know, one of the things is we're a year into the COVID situation where it's opened up actually a lot more of this telemedicine, telecoaching and enabling others to connect and so the internet is amazing resource because we have things like websites, we have the podcast, we have YouTube, those type of things and resources where we can find answers and I'm available in all of those and different resources so people can find us to get that help. Now, the thing is, is that just kind of talk about that you mentioned like 30 years ago, we didn't have people to help us and we have grief groups and grief groups can be good to a point because right. initially we go in with that our own heartache and we can um share and get support but it's so easy and i caution people on these grief groups and i think you have the same thought yeah. on this is that you get into that grief group and you get sucked into everybody's negativity not that there we don't have compassion for their heartache we really do but if we want to get ourselves out we need to step out of that and i encourage people if they're going to be in a grief group you might pop in drop what you need to express get some support with that then support one other person give them some ideas or some feedback and then come out of that don't spend your time in there because the more time you're in there, the less likely you are that you're going to be able to heal. And that's where working with somebody else, such as yourself or myself, helps to draw them out of that. And we can give them that specific help that they need. Amen. Yes, that was one of the things that... Um, I was finding when I was, especially in the online groups, they're wonderful. Um, in the middle of the night, if you're up and you keep playing your story and you just need to get it out and you just need to talk to someone, it's wonderful for that. But what I was finding in many of them 
is that there were people in there telling new grievers, you'll never get over this. You'll never get past this. You'll never heal. Your life will always be horrible. And that broke my heart. That broke my heart because I want people to realize if they choose it, there is healing and there is always hope. And it is, and you can choose at any time. You know, if you are open to it, you know, we can shine the light on that, right? But you can't if you are constantly in that dark spot. And I don't want, you know, you can move through it. You know, you carry it with you differently, but you can move through the pain. You don't have to carry that pain all the time. You can carry oh. the memories. And it doesn't mean that you'll never revisit the pain again either, as we all know, right? Like right. waves of grief still come over yeah. us, but they don't, they take us down, but we can get back up a lot easier now. Absolutely. It may take you down for 10 minutes instead of 10 hours or 10 days. And it's okay to acknowledge that, but we really need to be able to think about it and, and how we, how we process it. So it's, if we tell ourselves that I can't ever get over this, then guess what? You won't. And that may seem so hard, but if you have desire to live life after your loss, you can, you don't have to be guilty. And I always ask people who tell me that this question is, is would your loved one want to see you so sad and suffering? And they say, no. And that's when the light bulb goes on and they're like, hmm, I am really doing this to myself for myself. And I would do more honor to my loved one by living a fulfilling life and being active. And if that's, you know, going out and, and doing simple acts of service in their honor, that's amazing. It can be so simple, but to stay stuck in that sadness is a disservice to our loved ones who have passed. I agree. I agree with you there. So you, through your journey, through your documentation, through your vulnerability and sharing this on Facebook, it has, it has now been put into a book and it is truly for a new griever and truly following your journey to hope and healing through that first year. Um, what were some of the first things that you realized that you did to bring on healing during this yeah. early days? Well, you know, this is the simplest of things that I really encourage anybody to focus on is to journal. That is the first step in my um, grief survival program um, for the new people, new bereaved, is to journal because we have so many thoughts going through our head. And to be able to, they get mumbled and jumbled. And it could be even something as the thoughts of, you know, did I feed the cat today? You know, do I need to go to the grocery store? Or, you know, what are my feelings and how I'm processing them? So journaling, there's no rules. Actually, there's two things that I really suggest is one is that you date whatever you journal, because then that way you can take and look and reflect back on it. 
and you can see how you're feeling. And if you're newly bereaved, let me back up to just a moment, is because depression is not natural from grief. It is not something that, right. that is a natural result of it. So when you're journaling, you can really see your progression and your thoughts. You can, it's, there's no rules. You can just throw out your thoughts. It, it's just a, a brain dump of everything that's going on because you may be expressing your anger, your guilt, your sadness, but you get it down. Or you may want to have retain a memory. And I think that's one of the things is that we don't want to forget our loved ones. We try to cram all these memories into our head, but our brain only has so much capacity. So you write those memories down and guess what? Boom, you have another one that pops in, write it down. So it's a really good way to preserve those memories and create more space. And then you can go back and look and go, okay, I've written down these memories, but then you can also gauge if you feel like you're progressing and moving forward in your grief. So if you feel that you're not, and if you might be in a depressive state and you see that you've been in bed for two weeks, that's not a healthy way to grieve. And you might need to seek some additional medical care. Where I come from, I'm not a licensed psychologist. I come from the world of experience and helping mm -hmm. others who want to be able to move through their grief versus those who might be stuck in depression. Right. So there is a difference. Yes. Yeah. How many people are so quick to take a pill to heal their grief? And I will just tell you that my son, um, it was, it was a, an anticipatory kind of grief situation. It wasn't a sudden loss. And I had gone through a little bit of postpartum depression with my first baby. And so now I had a sick baby and um, the doctor thought maybe I should be on an antidepressant to help me keep the postpartum depression at bay. And then, then there was the eventual grief. And I really truly feel that for 13 years, I was not able to grieve properly because I was being treated for what may or may not have been depression and never really was able to fully purge and grieve because mm -hmm. I was this way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because what happens is, is that medications can block those feelings and emotions. Yeah. We need to feel those yes. even there they're horrible they oh. are horrible and we don't want to build we don't want to land on our knees in the middle of the night crying out to god and go what the heck we don't want to do that but it's a necessary part of it and the thing is with this um sherry is that grief death is inevitable okay and just to even get on on this digression a little bit here about how we learn how to grieve okay you know we in the united states i don't feel like we've been taught how to grieve that that's been processed and that grief has gone from 
happening, you know, the death in a home to becoming much more sterile, happening in the, you know, the nursing home, in the hospitals. And so we don't even process that. And then within three days, we've had a funeral. Yeah. And wham, bam, and it's gone. Yeah. And personally, as a, as, a, as a griever, is that within that first week, maybe two weeks, most of the support is gone. Yes. And, and we don't know how to grieve it and expect the expectation that we get over something. And I think in the cultural view, um, and I apologize if I'm not real versed in this, but the Jewish tradition of sitting in Shiva gives them that opportunity to come together and think about their loss and experience it. So it's a tradition. Mm-hmm. I mean, here it's like, hey, let's have the celebration of life and, and, and the lunch and the dinner and boom, everybody's gone. So we don't know how to do it. I mean, so many times I get the question is, how do I help a grieving person? Right. You know? um, and so that's just so difficult for us to process. Right. And it makes us uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable with that, which we do not practice on a regular basis. And we don't like to practice being uncomfortable. We don't like to practice sitting in our pain or sitting in someone else's, right? And so we're, we're, not, we're not good grievers and we're not very good at supporting grievers because of that. We want to, we want to be fixers. And this I isn't totally something agree with that. that can be fixed, right? I, I mean, totally it, can, it can heal, but it can't be fixed. It's not like you can go in and do surgery on this. It's a, it's a healing process. It's like a broken bone. It's not like an appendectomy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And because there's that lack of um, <clears throat> knowledge, you know, really in the cultural thing is, is um, that's why people are seeking help outside of the family traditions. And one of the questions people ask me is like, how soon would I consider starting working with like a grief coach? And I recommend immediately. People are like, well, why? I'm in this shock and denial state. Well, let's put this analogy together is that if you were to fall and break your hip, you don't wait months and let it start to heal because it's not gonna heal properly. You seek immediate care. Mm-hmm. And there are people that can help with that in being able for helping you to be able to process this so that you do wind up on a positive path down the road in somebody that, that's been there. So it's, it's really seeking that help. Right. So you encourage step one, let's get journaling. Let's, let's get the thoughts out of your head and down on paper that is, that's a helpful thing. This helps you track your progress. It helps you keep your memories. Um, it, 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 it dumps the information out of your brain. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like scrambled eggs and brain fog. What, what, what else do you advise people to do? Yeah, you know, so <clears throat> there's a variety of steps in this, but um, some of the things that I even advise people to do is to find their higher power. And your higher power can be whatever you call it. Now, I choose to call my higher power God. Really, that higher power is the one that you can go to that can help to explain the unexplainable or one that's non-judgmental. 
and that doesn't judge you and you feel peace in being able to have that relationship with the higher power. And I find that that is very important. It's been instrumental for me in having a relationship with God mm -hmm. because that's helped to explain some of the stuff with my son. And it also gives me comfort in knowing that my son is in heaven and that he and I will see each other again. And so finding that higher power is something that you can relate to that's going to give you that comfort and peace. That's definitely very, very important because we're human. Right. And there's so much more to us. And especially when we're in that weak moment, you know, it's okay. God can handle you getting angry. God can get, God can handle you questioning. God can handle, um, you know, even your unbelief until you have the belief, right? Um, because sometimes it's a crisis of faith when you um, are in the throes of loss and grief. And so God can handle it, you know, but I've, I've found that I, I, I don't know how I would have done it without that spiritual connection. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because there's times that there's, a, you feel hopeless and helpless and go, what's the next step? And when you get that subtle nudging and, and that voice speaking to you and telling you and reassuring you that you will be okay. I mean, I would not turn that away right right what after after um your connection to your higher power would you would you recommend that people plug into or or look into next you know the connection in finding your tribe so we talked about the facebook groups and so that's a big tribe okay mm -hmm. and that you have that commonality in, but really being able to dial in into that tribe who can support you specific to what you need. Mm -hmm. Those friends that you can call in the heat of the moment and say, you know what, I'm just really having a bad, bad moment. I have a friend, I had a friend that I would just call up. And so many times I was driving when I was overwhelmed and a grief wave would hit and I would just tell her, I just need you to listen to me cry. We are distantly, we were distant, so I couldn't just drop by her house. Mm -hmm. And she would just listen to me cry. And as I've gained my breath, then she could ask me the questions. What triggered it? What happened? And we could talk about it. We talked about my son. And then we would eventually wind up having a good conversation and even laughing. Mm -hmm. So she was one of those that was very close in my circle because she not only knew me, but she knew my son as well. And then having a couple other people to really help you and that really have that moment. And then it expands you know, in that relationship of people that you know, but really, and you might even need to ask them if they have the wherewithal to be your person. 
because leaning into somebody, as we said, who can't handle it, don't know how to handle it, we have this expectation as we're leaning into them and they're like pushing back. I think that it, it's advisable to ask, to say, you know what, can I count on you in this moment? Are you strong enough? And the thing is, is that your current circle of friends may not be those people who you can count on. And that's understandable because we've both experienced child loss and that's really difficult for people to understand. So you may need to find somebody else who's experienced child loss, who has now worked through it and can support you through that. So finding your really close inner circle of, of, of friends. Well, I like how you've said that because that could actually lead people back to you, right? Because if you can't find that in someone, then find someone who understands, find someone who understands the kind of loss that you have. That's why I think a lot of times we want the support group and it's great to find, I always said, I felt like I was initiated into this club I never wanted to join, but I was never so glad to find that there were other members. Right. You know, at the same time, you want to be members that that can that can hold that space for you, that can talk you through this, but aren't gonna try to hold you there forever, right? Telling the same story over and over again. So find that person. That's why I say, you know, a prof someone like you, a coach like you would be a great person to process some of this stuff if you feel that your friends and family don't have the capacity to be able to support you in that manner. There are people who can, and it is so important to find them. Yes, absolutely. Because... We just don't, uh, said the, the traditions that we have and, and we don't, and, and I've seen so many people in those Facebook groups, and I'm in those because i in there to help others, but when they say that they go to work and they mask their pain, and then they come home and just crawl into bed, those are the people, you know, who deserve more than what they're experiencing because they've, they've had to go back to work financially, you know, that, that in some ways life has gone on, but they're a shadow of themselves, that they're a shell and they fake it so well, but behind that mask, which they wear, it's horrible. So, do you believe that you can graduate from your grief, first of all? Absolutely, absolutely. You graduate to the point and then you use those tools and resources that you've used to help you with future difficulties, you know, um, that, that you will always walk this path of grief. You will always remember your losses. You'll have those memories but graduating, I think to me means that you've been able to accept, learn the tools and resources and then thrive in your life in whatever manner best suits you that again, going back and honoring your loved one. So you can move through that. It's with intentional work though. Okay, it's, it, we find that you can't just randomly 
leave your healing. It takes intentional work to be able to do that. And so, you know, my book talks about the beginnings, but then now I also look at the four cornerstones of healing, which help you to get there and your tools and resources. So talking about your physical, your mental, emotional, and your spiritual health, because those all are interconnected. So you can graduate that grief and live that fulfilling life, which you were meant to live. Yes, we were all, we were all meant to live that. And, you know, I always, I always tell people, I don't want to get to the end of my life and God say to me, Sherry, you know, what did you do with your life? um, All these years, I gave you 50 years after Brandon died. And I'd say, Oh, I laid under the covers and I could never get back up out of bed because you took my son, you know, or I could say, I did my best to honor the life you gave me and to honor the life that was my son. I like, I like moving in that direction a lot more. Absolutely. You know, it's one of the things that life will never be the same as it was before we lost our loved one. But we do know, I do know that you can live to learn your life after. But you know, loss, I think about this is that also I can't relive yesterday. I can't bring back yesterday. So I think one of the things that that I do is that I focus on the moment, being in the moment, but then looking towards that future. And I think that comes back to that graduating grief is that you believe that you've got that future in helping people to realize that to live it, and then even share it. I mean, I know that I get messages from my son that he is so proud of me for doing what I'm doing and helping others. And you're doing it beautifully. And Peggy, thank you so much. If people want to get a copy of your book or they want to look into um, what you do to help serve others, um, give us a give us a website information. Yeah, absolutely. Give you a little bit of information, um, but the grief specialist, and that's with two e's, t h e e g r i e f specialist dot com. And then I made a real easy. If you want to learn more or even have um, an opportunity to have a conversation, a grief breakthrough session, you can text the word breakthrough all lowercase one word. B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H. And then just text it to this number, 719-789-6808. And then I will get back to you with a calendar and we can connect and talk. And, you know, I want to hear your story. I want to help you process and give you that hope because I am that example. I've had my share and I can help you. I'm 100% confident that I can help you. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.